Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. This is Linda Weiniger, the mom, and we are in Doctrine and Covenants section 121 to 123. Okay, so I'm just going to uh, get into it with the Redhead Hostess um, historical background for this section because... Um, because there's so many, so much good stuff out there, and but they included a lot of stuff here in theirs, and so we just got to get started. So Joseph had now lived in Far West for several months, and many of the Kirtland Saints were arriving as well. Kicking them out of out of Jackson County had not gotten rid of them. <laughs> And they were growing. At this time, the enemies of the church organized themselves and brought unbelievable suffering to the saints. Ugh. There is no better way to learn of what the saints experienced than to read Parley P. Pratt's words. Hello, Flora. Who was a witness to these events. After reading these, his words, your understanding will be greatly magnified and the situation Joseph was in when writing the letter in D&C 121 to 123 will be better understood. The pages are long, but very informative, interesting, and worth your time from Parley P. Pratt's autobiography. Okay, so we are going to read that. It's about 10 pages. So bear with me uh, because it will be awesome to be able to read it and really understand um, from his perspective. I'm just going to start reading Okay, so here's from Parley P. Pratt's autobiography. Soon after these things, the war clouds began again to lower with dark and threatening aspect. Those who had combined against the laws in the adjoining counties had long, wait, had long watched our increasing power and prosperity with jealousy and with greedy and av avarish, avaricious eyes. Wow, that's a good word. It was a common boast that as soon as we had completed our extensive improvements and made a plentiful crop, they would drive us from the state and once more enrich themselves with the spoils. Dude, that is the worst. That's what I was saying before. Like, that's not cool that they would do that. Like, just wait for people to wait for us hardworking people to work hard and then like they kick us out. That's like, that would be the worst. And I mean, now we have lazy people like myself who don't even plant crops, so they won't kick me out. <laughs> Anyways, okay, we're going to keep reading because we're just into the first paragraph of the ten, first 10 pages. So, you know, I'm going to add commentary to everything. Woo! It's going to take so long. Remember when chapters one, or sections 121 to 123 weren't going to be that long? Well, now it is. Okay. Continuing, accordingly, at an election held in Davies County, a portion of these bandits undertook to prevent the members of the Church of the Saints from voting, forcing them from the poll box and threatening to kill whoever should attempt to vote. As some voters were attacked, they defended themselves, knocked down several of their opponents, gained the victory, and cast in their votes. Wow. <sighs> Could you imagine? I mean... It was kind of like that with the voting. It felt like this last election. But what's really nice is that we could just vote from home. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of nice and it's kind of not nice. Because at, at some point I'm like, did somebody intercept my mail? And 
cut it open and not put in my ballot or put it in, you know, whatever, depending on who, whatever side they were on. Um, we're approaching voting right now. And in fact, we have just received our mail-in ballots for our city mayor and uh, city council people. And it's, it's pretty awesome. So I think it's hilarious that, that we're, that I'm reading about their voting and the complete opposite difference that maybe they needed to have mail-in voters, you know, but the, the progress that we've made is, is amazing through the years. Um, okay. So next paragraph here, (laughs) this is taking, okay. And I'm already getting sleepy. This is bad guys. Okay, this was a pretext for a general rising of the insurrectionists in all the adjoining counties. They were alarmed for fear the Mormons, as they called them, should become a as formidable as a mountain, no, as to maintain their rights and liberties inasmuch as they could no more drive and plunder them. Public meetings were held in Carroll, Saline, and other counties in which resolutions were passed and published openly declaring the treasonable and murderous intention of driving the citizens belonging to the church from their counties and, if possible, from the state. In pursuance of the resolutions thus passed and published, a formidable bandit, banditti, I think that's the best word ever, banditti were soon assembled under arms to the amount of several hundred and rendezvoused at Davies County. Here the, they commenced firing upon our citizens, plundering and taking peaceable citizens prisoners. The people of the church made no resistance except to assemble their own ground for defense. They also made, uh, made oath before the district judge Austin A. King to the above outrages. Uh, outrages. Wow. Dude, this first page. I th- I'm only going to read the first page. It's going to be too much. You'll have to go get the book, Parley P. Pratt's autobiography, in order to, like, read the rest of it. Okay. Um, 1,000 men were then ordered to into service under the command of Major General Atchison and Brigadier Generals Park, Parks and Donovan. These marched to Davies County and remained in service 30 days, but judging from the result, they had no intention of coming in contact with the mob, but only to make a show of defending one neighborhood while the mob were allowed to attack another. The gang now withdrew from Davies County and proceeded to DeWitt Carroll, DeWitt Carroll County. Here they laid siege for several days and subsisted by plunder and robbery, watching every opportunity to fire upon our citizens. They succeeded in killing a number of citizens in and about DeWitt. They also turned a gentleman named Smith Humphrey and his wife and children out of doors when sick and setting fire to the house, burned it to ashes before their eyes. At length, they succeeded in driving every citizen from that from the place at the sacrifice of everything which they could not take with them. That's awful. I can't even believe they did that. How are people like this, dude? Where are they even from? I'm not talking about Davies County. I'm talking about, like, where are they from? Because they are not acting like children of God. You know what I mean? 
Okay, so this happened during a cold, stormy time in October, and as many of the citizens were sickly and robbed of shelter and everything comfortable, they came near perishing. Some of them, in fact, did perish before they arrived in Caldwell, a distance of 60 miles. Here the survivors were hospitably taken in by their brethren. The militia under General Parks made some show of trying to prevent these outrages but all in vain. At length, the general informed the citizens that his forces were so small and many of them so much in favor of the insurrectionists that it was useless to lock any longer to them for protection. Okay, last par- uh, last two paragraphs. I'm going to... or Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Several messages were also sent to the governor, Lilburn W. Boggs, the old mob leader employing protection, but he was utterly deaf to everything which called for the protection of the Mormons, as he called us. But on the contrary, he hearkened to the insinuations of the mob, which were without shadow of foundation. At one time, he called out an army and put himself at their head to march against the Mormons. But as he approached the upper country with this formidable force of several thousand men, he was officially notified that the Mormons were not in a state of insurrection, but were the victims of those who were so, and and that they needed his help. His Excellency then debanded his forces and returned to Jefferson City to await till the mobs should compel the Mormons to some act that might be considered illegal, which would give him some pretext for driving them from the state. Uh, they're like setting him up just like, just like when the Lord was set up, you know? Um, okay. After the evacuation of DeWitt, when our citizens were officially notified that they must protect themselves and expect no more protection from any department of the state of, of the state government, they assembled in far West to the number of 1000 men or thereabout, and resolved to defend their rights to the last. A call was made upon every person who could bear arms to come forward in defense of our homes, home, our houses, homes, wives, and children, and the cause of our country and our God. In the meantime, the bandits, elated with success and emboldened by the negligence of their department of the state of government, were increasing in numbers daily. Okay, um, I, I'm going to stop reading there because there's so many pages and I'm already falling asleep. So I don't want to get to the point where I fall asleep and I don't actually get to the scriptures. Um, but here's a letter from Joseph Smith to Emma, dated April 4th, 1839. And I did want to read this. Okay, so it says, Dear and affectionate wife, Thursday night I sat down just as the sun is going down. As we peek through the gates of this lonesome prison to write to you, that I may make known to you my situation. It is, I believe, now about five months and six days since I have been under this grimace of a guard night and day, and within the walls, grates, and screeking iron doors of a lonesome, dark, dirty prison. With emotions known only to God, do I write this letter." The contemplations of the mind under these circumstances defines the pen and tongue or angels to describe or paint to the human being who never experienced what we experience. 
we lean on the arm of Jehovah and none else for our deliverance. And if he doesn't do it, we will not be done. You may be assured for there is great thirst for our blood in this state. Not because we are guilty of anything, my dear Emma. I think of you and the children continually. I want to see little Frederick, Joseph, Julia, Alexander, Joanna, and old Major, the family dog. I would gladly walk from here to you barefoot and bareheaded and half-naked to see you and think it great pleasure and never count it toil. I bear with fortitude all my oppression So do those that are with me. Not one of us have flinched yet. I want you to know, or I want you to not let our children forget me. Tell them Father loves them with a perfect love, and He is doing all He can to get away from the mob to come, to come to them. Tell them. Father says they must be good children and mind their mother. Yours, Joseph Smith Jr. Oh, man. Those people were just so mean. How can Satan convince people to do this bad of stuff? It's the worst. You know? Okay, um... Redheaded Hostess suggests, as you study these three sections, this talk by Elder Hall entitled Lessons from Liberty Jail will help deepen your study. Okay, so go look that one up. And whenever you're searching for talks online, um, I, I search for like the title in quotes. And then at the end of it, I type in LDS for Latter-day Saint. Because the website that we used to have was LDS.org, which was super cute and short. (laughs) But, you know, with the change of making sure that we remember Christ always, um, then they changed it to the Church of Jesus Christ. Um, Or just kidding, it's churchofjesuschrist.org. And now when I look things up, I still search with the LDS at the back, but I've been slowly trying to type it all out. Um, just because I want to make sure that I am continuing to remember Jesus Christ too. So when I put church of Jesus org, it's just, I don't know. It's just like another way for me to remember Christ. Okay, some facts about Liberty Jail. It was located in Liberty, Missouri. I don't know why anybody would call something Liberty and then Jail. Like, those two words do not go together. Um, It was the jail in Clay County until 1856. It was 14 feet by 14 and a half feet. It was two stories high. Um, It was about six and a half feet tall. So it was really low ceilings. Um, dude, even when it's something is like eight, eight feet, it's low to me. Like nine feet ceilings are like what I like. And that's cause I guess I'm a spoiled brat, <laughs> but 
but yeah, nine feet ceilings or above is the best. Now here in our house, we have eight foot ceilings in the basement. And so, um, in our old house that we built, we actually paid extra for them to make our ceilings nine feet. Um, and totally worth it. Like it just opens things up. Like it's just like a foot, but you're just like, it makes all the difference anyway. So, so this house here with the eight feet ceilings in the basement does make it feel a little, a little cramped. So I can imagine that six and a half feet is going to be the worst type of ceiling, um, height not and then you take into the uh, into account all the height of everybody that's in the little space plus you know so like they did not have space you know like 14 by 14 is I'm trying to think it's probably like our master bedroom without the bay window and try to fit like a bunch of people in there sleeping with low ceiling oh I mean we like yeah anyway it's like crammed when you get the cousins to come sleep over. <laughs> okay, um, it was made of limestone cut to two feet thick. The jailer stayed on the upper floor and the lower floor was used to hold the prisoners. The prisoners accessed the lower floor through a trap door from the upper floor. The prisoners had two barred windows that were two feet wide and six inches high. Oh, man. That sounds like it just like a dungeon it's not like a prison it's a dungeon um so anyway there you have it and now i'm going to get into section 121 okay they just updated the way that you have bookmarks and pages open in the gospel library so i am going into find where i have my dnc okay there we go okay prayer section 121 prayer and prophecies written by joseph smith the prophet in an epistle to the church while he was a prisoner in the jail at liberty missouri excuse me dated march 20 20th 1839 the prophet and several companions had been months in prison their petitions and appeals directed to the executive officers and the judiciary had failed to bring them relief okay um i did know from talking scripture maybe i said it already maybe i didn't maybe i recorded over it anyway um they said that this letter actually had more pages more information but someone whoever put it in here i guess um they only put specifics parts of it in the doctrine and covenants so um if you want to read the whole letter i believe it's located on josephsmithpapers.org so that you can look it up okay um one to six the prophet pleads with the lord for the suffering saints seven to ten the lord speaks peace to him 11 to 17, cursed are those who raise false cries of transgression against the Lord's people. 18 to 25, they will not have the right to the priesthood and will be damned. 26 to 32, glorious revelations promised through 
promise those who endure valiantly. 33 to 40, why many are called and few are chosen. 41 to 46, the priesthood should be used only in righteousness. Oh, I do suggest reading or listening to the Talking Scriptures one for this because it is so good. And I love like the little 10 points to remember when you're in tribulation. So it's, I mean, I should probably design like a little printable for it because it's so cool the way that they did it okay um one one oh god where art thou and where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place what's what's hard about this scripture is that i've i've prayed this too sometimes when we are going through a really hard trial. We always ask where God is. And we wonder why we can't feel him. So when Joseph is writing this, like I can just feel the emotion. And I'm, I'm glad that he was able to write because it really helps to process um, our thoughts and emotions when we can write. And it's really essential to, to our, our progress out of, out of those, um, those emotions and those feelings that keep us trapped. I think when we can put them on paper, it helps us to see them and look at them in a different way so that we can get through our trials. Um, okay, two, how long shall thy hand be stayed? Oh, man, it's a good thing I didn't do my eye makeup. And thy eye, thine eye, yea, thy pure eye, behold from the eternal heavens the wrongs of thy people and of thy servants, and thine ear be penetrated with their cries. Yea, O Lord, how long shall they suffer these wrongs and unlawful oppressions? Before thine heart shall be softened toward them, and thy bowels be moved with compassion toward them. Something that they did say that I that I liked is that sometimes we think of um, Jesus Christ and we we put him as like, for example, like Superman, right? And he's like your best friend, but you're somebody is you know gonna kill your child or gonna throw him off the edge of a building and you yell to superman superman save him save him but superman doesn't save them and so then you question like well there's two things happening here it's either superman doesn't isn't really my best friend right or Superman, and so Superman doesn't like me, or Superman isn't super. And and it's definitely those things that the adversary makes us think, you know, if he, if the Lord does have all this power, why isn't he helping me? Why isn't he, um... Why isn't he jumping in to save the day all the time for me? Right? 
And now I can't remember. I think there was like a third one. I don't remember. But the thing that um, they were saying was that God gives us agency. And if he takes if he takes agency away from someone, then it's, then, then that means he can take away my agency too. And so he has to give agency to those who make right choices. And he has to give agency to those who make wrong choices because that's his gift to all of us. And sometimes we suffer at the hands of those who, um, use their agency to hurt people, to hurt others. And, but that our afflictions and our pain that have been caused by others' agency will be consecrated for our good, will be compensated for our good. And he gave an example, and and I thought it was really cute, of his of his daughter getting uh vaccinations on you know and how his daughter just or how he just sat there while his daughter was getting those vaccines just injected in her and she was just looking at him like you're not doing anything to help you know and then how he was able to um and she was just crying, you know, the whole time. And he was there to, like, comfort her and stuff. But then after, he went and took her to the ice cream shop. And he got her three scoops of ice cream because she got three vaccines. So she got three whole scoops of ice cream. And she didn't remember how bad the vaccines were. And she only remembers, like, that day uh, the the good part which was the three scoops of ice cream. And so he talks about how when those people, and obviously vaccines are like a good thing, but he, those people that have that, their free agency and that make others suffer, it pains him too to see that happening. But then he will help us by given us those three scoops of ice cream, but by like turning our pain into and our sorrow into something that helps us uh, become better and something that can transform us into a better person. But then also he rewards us for our suffering. But I don't know if I would put it that way. it sounds messed up I'm gonna be rewarded for how much I suffer yeah no it's not like that so yeah you have to go listen (laughs) to the talk or to the podcast because they do a really good job of explaining it um anyways okay uh here we go oh and then he talked about how much pain like you know we go through for labor and I was like oh yeah for sure but then you don't even remember the pain because you got the baby and I'm like, well, yeah, true. <laughs> but anyways, okay, um, number four. Oh, Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven, earth, and seas, and all of, and of all things that in them are, and who controllest and subjectest the devil and the dark and 
benighted dominion of Shoal, stretch forth thy hand, thy let thine eye pierce, let thy pavilion be taken up, let thy hiding place no longer be covered, let thine ear so hard to read. Let thine ear be inclined. Let thine heart be softened and thy bowels moved with compassion towards us. Oh, man. I can see I read this. (laughs) I have highlights. Uh, Let thine anger be kindled against our, our enemies and in the furry... The fury, fury, fury of thine heart with thy sword avenge us of our wrongs. Remember thy suffering saints, O our God, and thy servants will rejoice in thy name forever. Wow, we are getting movement here <laughs> from our, all of our tears. Okay, okay. Um, the word shul in verse four means the whole, the abode of the dead, the spirit world. And so he was just kind of, I think, acknowledging um, how much power the Lord has and trying to trying to tell him, like, I know you are capable of doing all this stuff and that you have done all this and that you've created all this and that you do all this. Please do something, right? He's just, like, totally begging. Um, and Elder Jeffrey R. Holland uh, from that talk, Lessons of J- Liberty Jail, in the BYU speeches, uh, it says here, most of us, most of the time, speak of the f- faculty at Liberty as a jail or a prison, and certainly it was that. But Elder Brigham H. Roberts, in recording the history of the church, spoke of the facility as a temple, or more accurately, a prison temple. Elder Neil A. Maxwell used the same phrasing in in some of his writings. Certainly, it lacked the purity, the beauty, the comfort, and the cleanliness of our true temples, our dedicated temples. The speech and behavior of the guards and criminals who came there was anything but temple-like. In fact, the restricting brutality and injustice of this experience at Liberty would make it seem the very antithesis of the liberating merciful spirit of our temples and the ordinances that are performed in them. Tonight's message is that when you have to, you can have a sacred revelatory, profoundly instructive experience with the Lord in any situation you are in. Indeed, let me say that even a little stronger, you can have sacred revelatory, profoundly instructive experience with the Lord in the most miserable experiences of your life. In the worst settings, while enduring the most painful injustices, when facing the most insurmountable odds and opposition you have ever faced. Ah, this is something I just talked about in my podcast about um, holy places and that we can make any place a holy place. That is what Sister Elaine S. Dalton um wanted us to learn. And I love that. This is basically the exact same thing 
that he is saying. It's perfect. So I'm going to highlight this. Okay. In verses 1 through 6, it says, um, or the, the commentary says that, In the same letter, he says, When we are in dire circumstances and want to cry, where art thou? It is imperative that we remember he's, he is right there with us, where he has always been. That was the Savior's message. In the parable of the importuning widow. And we can check Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Also Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 10. Keep knocking on that door. Keep pleading. In the meantime, know that God hears your cries and knows your distress. He is your father and you are his child. Oh man, that Elder Holland's always the best. Okay, um, here's some questions. I like these questions, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them. And I think it's because it just kind of makes you think inwardly. How can you relate to Joseph's questions? Have you had your own Liberty Jail moments? What were your questions you asked of God? And what can you learn from these verses? Okay, now this is the reply. And it's pretty it's pretty long. But I think Flora woke up. So we're going to see if we can read them. Okay, she's doing okay. So number seven, my son, peace be unto thy soul. Man. Thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. I like that. <laughs> that small. Has <laughs> like a footnote. But also that word small should probably be like in caps because <laughs> it'll be like a big small moment <laughs> like big moment for you but small moment in the timeline of jesus christ <laughs> um if you do look at the footnote though it says that it's from isaiah 54 um verse 7 it says for a small moment have i forsaken thee but with great mercies will i gather thee and i think that's what the talking scriptures people were trying to say that we'll be compensated for our pain in a way that we can't even imagine, right? That'll be amazing. And for our good and anyways. And it, and I it, that kind of reminds me of that quote that we read or that people have said um, self-help people always say, things don't happen to me, they happen for me. <laughs> and yeah, it's great, you know, <laughs> to think of it like that. But when you're going through it, you don't want to hear that. <laughs> okay, and then, number eight, and then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. Thy friends do stand by thee, and they shall hail thee again with warm hearts and friendly hands. I like this because when we can share our our struggles with friends, 
it makes our burden lighter because we are sharing that load. And I remember specifically feeling this from the from my warrior sisters. I am so grateful for them. And and how how much they blessed my life just by being there, you know? Like none of them gave me anything. They didn't they didn't do anything for me, you know? They were just there. I mean, in fact, some of them I never even seen in person, you know? It's just virtual, all virtual, but but you can connect hearts virtually. Um and it's crazy how I resisted it for so long. So I'm just going to highlight that. Because it's important. Okay. Um, verse 10. Thou art not yet as Job, thy friends. Or thou art not yet as Job. Thy friends do not contend against thee, neither charge thee with transgression as they did Job. So it's also pretty crazy that he's talking about Job. But I think I think this helps him because he just was learning about Job in um, trying to translate the Bible, right? If the, Maybe that's where he was like around. I'm guessing that's why he brought it up. But also because... He had studied the Bible like growing up. Um, and so he brought it up for him. Because sometimes helping, sometimes our trials, and this is sad a little bit. Some, because I don't like thinking like, hey, well, at least I'm not like so-and-so with, you know, and whatever the super bad trial is. Like, I don't want to, I guess, diminish like what. I'm going through just because somebody else is going through something harder. I think as parents, we tend to do that a lot. We're like, you have food, you know, like whenever the kids are talking about how they don't have any food to eat and we're just like, the fridge is full of food or, you know, they're not getting the dinner they want. It's like, well, you don't have to eat it. And then they feel like we're torturing them (laughs) because they don't get to have food for one meal. But we're like, dude, the peeps in Africa don't have food and they, you know, starve or there's homeless peeps that don't get food all the time, you know? So we're always trying to do that. We do that for other people all the time. Well, we're like, well, at least it's not that bad. At least it's not as bad as this. So, so that's not a good thing to do (laughs) because it's like, I mean, if, if that person was here, right? If I was like, Psh, at least you're not as bad as this guy, right? Like that would almost be worse. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I think it's, I think the Lord is just trying to help him see that it could be worse. <sighs> but also like if we were to, like the Lord can do that because it's the Lord. But we are not to do that to other people. We need to show mercy and compassion and not say, well, at least you didn't have to go through what I went through. My trial was worse than yours, you know, and try to be like, 
like that, you know? So, because if we diminish our stuff like that, we can also diminish sins that way. And then be like, well, I'm not sinning as bad as this person. So, you know, you just kind of have that, you just start that cycle and you don't want that. Um, Because sinning is a sin and that should not be compared. So anyway, um, yeah, it's kind of like, how I say I can't I'll accept shoulds from the Lord because he's the Lord but I'm not gonna accept shoulds from anybody else you know and and prophets and apostles I will accept shoulds from (laughs) because they know but okay um number 11 and they who do charge thee with transgression their hope shall be blasted and their prospects shall melt away as the hoarfrost melteth before the burning rays of the rising sun and also that god hath set his hand and steel to change the times and seasons and to blind their minds and that they may not understand this marvelous workings that he may prove them also and take them in their own craftiness also because their hearts are corrupted and the things which they are willing to bring upon others and love to have others suffer may come upon themselves to the very uttermost that they may be disappointed also and their hopes may be cut off and not many years hence that they and their posterity shall be swept from under heaven saith god that not one of them is left to stand by the wall cursed are all those that shall lift up the heel against mine anointed saith the lord and cry they have sinned when they have not sinned before me, saith the Lord, but have done that which was meet in mine eyes and uh, which I commanded them. So the Lord, or so let's see, so we're up to seven, we're number 17. So number 11 to 16, there's a commentary here. Says, how does the Lord feel about those who speak against and persecute His prophets? Their hope, quote, their hope shall be blasted, and their prospects shall melt away as the hoarfrost melteth before the burning rays of the risen rising sun. So that was eleven, and the hoarfrost actually refers to ice crystals that form and look like a beard, and the word hoar refers to the old age or white, white, white with age. So the hoarfrost will have its moment when the conditions are right, but even before the burning rays of the rising sun appear, the frost melts away. It is too fragile, too weak for the approach of of the sun. Such will be those who stand against the Lord's prophets. As President Boy K. Packer says, they face very stern penalties indeed. End quote. And then the Lord himself said, those who stand against his prophets, their hearts are corrupted and the things which they are willing to bring upon others and love to have others suffer may come upon themselves to the very uttermost. So they're going to get theirs. It's coming to them. But sometimes we don't get to see it. <laughs> okay. Um. And then number 16 was the warning. But I think now I do have to get Flora. So we're on number 17. Okay, I'm resuming reading 17. And today is Saturday, the 23rd of October, which is the day before the end 
of <laughs> reading these sections. And I'm really sad because this section was really awesome. And I don't want to take away from the awesomeness of the section. But I do want to remind myself that... <laughs> I would like to immerse myself in these Come Follow Me scriptures a little bit more than just the first 17 verses. <laughs> I know, I know, I, I, I shouldn't should myself, but I want to. And so, like, I think it's awesome that every time I'm passing a set of scriptures, <sighs> that... I continue to desire to, like, want to be immersed in them and want, like, I'm still excited to read them and stuff. So I know I'm not going to get everything out of the scriptures that I want to or that I need to, but I want to try at least to read the actual scriptures that are assigned for these sections because I believe that they were assigned for a reason and not just because they're trying to give me a checklist of things to do, but because they felt like this would be an inspired way to read these scriptures. So anyway, um, I want to try and get at least a few more of these verses read so that I don't feel like I didn't even read it, you know? Plus... I can't have read all of this so far and then back out at verse or at section 121, you know. So here we go. Okay. But those who cry transgression do it because they are the servants of sin and are the children of disobedience themselves. And those who swear falsely against my servants that they might bring them into bondage and death woe unto them because they have offended my little ones they shall be severed from the ordinances of mine house dude i would not want that to happen to me because what happens in his house is families get to be sealed together forever and if that's severed that's no bueno okay number 20 their basket shall not be full, their houses and their barns shall perish, and they themselves shall be despised by those that flattered them. They shall not have right to the priesthood, nor their posterity after them from generation to generation. It had been better for them that a millstone had been hanged about their necks, and they drown in the depth of the sea. Woe unto all those who that discomfort my people and drive and murder and testify against them, saith the Lord of hosts. A generation of vipers shall not escape the damnation of hell. Behold, mine eyes see and know all their works, and I have in reserve a swift judgment in the season thereof for them all. For there is a time appointed for every man according to his works according as his work shall be okay so there's a quote i can read here from elder glenn l pace says those who cry transgression so it seems that history continues to teach us 
You can leave the church, but you can't leave it alone. <laughs> the basic reason for this is simple. Once someone has received a witness of the spirit and accepted it, he leaves neutral ground. One loses his testimony only by listening to the promptings of the evil one. And Satan's goal is not complete when a person leaves the church, but when he comes out in open rebellion against it. Okay, in a talk quoted, uh, in the talk that we just quoted, Elder Pace continued to counsel against the a danger that happens within the church, something he calls inappropriate intellectualism. He said, one activity which often leads a member to be critical is engaging in inappropriate intellectualism. While it would seem the search for and discovery of truth should be the goal of all Latter-day Saints, it is, or it appears some get more satisfaction from trying to discover new uncertainties. I have friends who have literally spent their lives thus far trying to nail down every single intellectual loose end rather than accepting the witness of the spirit and getting on with it. In so doing, they are depriving themselves of the gold, of a gold mine of beautiful truths which cannot be tapped by the mind alone. Elder Faust describes this type of intellectual as a person who continues to chase after a bus even after he's he has caught it. We invite everyone to get on the bus before it's out of sight and you are left forever trying to figure out the infinite with a finite mind. In the words of Elijah, How long halt ye between two options? If the Lord be God, follow him. Inappropriate intellectualism sometimes leads one to testify that he knows the gospel is true, but believes the brethren are just a little out of touch. Out of touch with what? Don't confuse a decision to abstain from participating in a trend with a lack of awareness about its existence. These brethren prove all things and hold fast that which is good. Um, to accomplish this, they are in constant touch with him who created this earth and knows the world from beginning to end. So that was in that general conference talk in 1989 from Elder Glenn L. Pace. Um, okay, so just had to chime in here and let you know that I actually had to go to sleep right after I read up to 26 because it was really sleepy. And I just couldn't push through. It was too hard. And it was like 11 o'clock. So I was like, okay, I'll just wake up early and read. So here we go. We're going to read number 26. Or what I did want to say is I like this words from Elijah there. How long halt ye between two options? Oh, man. I, I don't know. I could definitely say that I halt between two options a lot. <laughs> and that it's no bueno to halt between two options that long. And I want to find that scripture because I feel like that could guide in other aspects of my life as well. Um, throughout my life, even during the time that I was not active in church, I never, like, never questioned if the Lord was God. Um, it was just... A matter it was a matter to me of like I didn't really know um just how much I loved him, I guess. 
Um, or maybe I wasn't fully aware of, of how the commandments blessed my life. And that was the time. And, and I guess I needed time to, fig- to figure that out. I didn't realize that living with so much light and knowledge, even though I, I didn't actually put it into practice as much, I didn't know that living with that much light and knowledge was a blessing in my life until I didn't and then realized that it was. So anyway, sometimes that scares me because I don't want our kids to live that way <laughs> or I don't want them to go um, to become inactive or or to go through a period where they don't go to church either because they're trying to figure it out. But I also understand that sometimes we need to go through that for ourselves. And so hopefully if that ever does happen, I can share and be compassionate through that process um, and not make that experience worse, worse than it needs to be. Um, okay. And I'm going to highlight this here. All right. And then we're going to read this. Um, okay. So number 26, God shall give unto you knowledge by his Holy spirit. Yea, by the upspeakable gift of the Holy ghost that has not been revealed since the world was until now, which our forefathers have awaited with anxious expectation to be revealed in the last times, which their minds were appointed to by the angels and held in reserve for the fullness of their glory a time to come in the which nothing shall be withheld, whither, whether there be one God or many gods, they shall be manifest. All thrones and dominions, principalities and powers shall be revealed and set forth upon all who have endured valiantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And also if there be bounds set to the, hev- set to the heavens or to the seas or to the dry land or to the sun, moon or stars, all the times of their revolutions, all the appointed days, months, and years, and all the days of the their days, months, and years, and all their glories, laws, and set times shall be revealed in the days of the dispensation of the fullness of times. According to that which was ordained in the midst of the counsel of the eternal God, of all other gods before this world was, that should be reserved unto the that should be reserved unto the fi- finishing and the end thereof when every man shall enter into his eternal presence and into his immortal rest okay so some more commentary i really like their commentary and i don't get it from anywhere else so it's kind of awesome okay to the righteous the lord promises knowledge beyond human capacity or current understanding what knowledge is god promising these pr- these prisoners and early saints what is he promising those who are righteous today these verses tie in so carefully the power of the holy ghost with the power of the priesthood they help us open the eyes of our understanding and see beyond mortality into the immense of eternity the lord declared all thrones and dominions principalities and powers shall be revealed and set forth upon all who have endured valiantly for the gospel of jesus christ what are all of these dominions principalities and powers how much 
has been revealed and how much more will the Lord reveal? How will all this be revealed? And according to verse 26, it will be through the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost. What is this gift? Do we truly understand its power? What are you doing to be worthy of and receive this power and knowledge? As President Nelson has repeated so often, oh, there is so much more your Father in Heaven wants you to know. I love that. And it's not about trying to find the inconsistencies or the the faults that men who have been called of God to to focus on their faults and make it seem like it's the Lord's fault but to focus on but like the goal is to focus on Jesus Christ always you know um, the Lord called the gift of the Holy Ghost the unspeakable gift. Something that is unspeakable is something that cannot be expressed. It is of such importance, such power, and such influence that we cannot properly express it. Elder J.E. Jensen gave a talk at BYU called The Unspeakable Gift of the Holy Ghost. And in that talk, he told this story to illustrate the importance of the Holy Ghost. Ooh, fun. Okay, so I'm going to read this. And this was a talk in... BYU speeches, January 8th, 2012. So we can look it up in our podcast feed or just Google it. Um, the saints were in winter quarters and preparing for the migration of the to the West in the spring. Joseph Smith had been dead for over two and a half years. President Young had a vision, a dream, in which he visited with the prophet Joseph Smith. As you listen, please note the number of times he emphasized the importance of the Spirit of the Lord. Brother Joseph, the brethren have a great anxiety to understand the sealing principles, and if you have a word of counsel for me, I should be glad to receive it. Joseph stepped toward me and, looking very earnestly, yet pleasantly, said, Tell the people to be humble and faithful and be sure to keep the Spirit of the Lord, and it will lead them right. Be careful and not turn away the small, still, the small, still voice, and it will teach you what to do and where to go. It will yield the fruits of the kingdom. Tell the brethren to keep their hearts open to conviction so that when the Holy Ghost comes to them, their hearts will be ready to receive it. They can tell the spirit of the Lord from all other spirits. It will whisper peace and joy to their souls. It will take malice, hatred, strife, and all evil from their hearts. And their whole desire will be to do good, bring forth righteousness, and build up the kingdom of God. Tell the brethren... If they will follow the Spirit of the Lord, they will go right. Be sure to tell the people to keep the Spirit of the Lord, and it will be, and if it, if they will, they will find themselves just as they were organized by the Father of Heaven, or by the Father in Heaven, before they came into the world. Our Father in Heaven organized the human family. That's intense. There's a lot of times when he talks about the Spirit of the Lord. So it is very important for us to have receive and nurture the companionship of the Holy Ghost so that we can continue to recognize his influence in our lives because he's just there to bless us. Okay. So now we're going to read number 33. How long can rolling waters remain impure? What power shall stay in stay the heavens? 
as well might man stretch forth his puny arm to stop the Missouri River in its decreed course, or to turn it upstream as to hinder the Almighty from pouring down knowledge from heaven upon the heads of their la the Latter-day Saints. Okay, now on this in this verse, um, Elder or President Henry B. Eyring, in the October two thousand eighteen General Conference, said this about this exact verse, and it was just um a little bit before they announced the Come Follow Me program. So it says, part of the Lord's current sharing of knowledge relates to accelerating his pouring out eternal truth on the heads and into the hearts of his people. He has made clear that the daughters of Heavenly Father will play a primary role in that miraculous acceleration. One evidence of this miracle is his leading his living prophet to put far greater emphasis on gospel instruction in the home and within the family. You might ask, how does this make faithful sisters a primary force to help the Lord pour out knowledge on his saints? The Lord gives the answer in the family proclamation to the world. You remember the words, but you may see new meaning and recognize that the Lord foresaw these exciting changes, which are now occurring. In the proclamation, he gave sisters charge to be the principal gospel educators in the family in these words. Mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. And this includes the nurture of gospel truth and knowledge. So that's powerful. Go read um, Elder Henry B. Iring's talk, October 2018 General Conference. So, and then this was um, just a few months before the Come Follow Me program had been announced. Because... Yeah, I think... Or before the Come Follow Me program... Um, started because I think it was announced and it was in 2019 that we started Come Follow Me. Uh, okay, so number 34. Behold, there are many called, but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? Oh, I remember this scripture a lot. It comes up a lot. Um, because their hearts are set so much upon the things of this world and aspire to the honors of men that they do not learn this one lesson. That the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of righteousness. That they may be conferred upon, on, upon us, it is true, but when we undertake to cover our sins or to gratify our pride, our vain ambition, or to exercise control or dominion or compulsion upon the souls of the children of men in any degree of unrighteousness behold the heavens withdraw themselves the spirit of the lord is grieved and when it is withdrawn amen to the priesthood or the authority of that man behold ere he is aware he is left unto himself to kick against the pricks to persecute the saints and to fight against god we have learned by sad experience that it is the nature and disposition of almost all men. As soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. Hence, many are called, but few are chosen. But power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness and love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. Reproving betimes with sharpness, when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love toward him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be his enemy, that he may know that thy faithfulness 
is stronger than the cords of death. Let thy bowels also be full of charity towards all men, and to the household of faith, and let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God, and the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon the souls as the dews from heaven. And this is so true. I think when when our thoughts are pure and we are able to control them because we do manage our thoughts, um, even though the adversary is shooting at us with these impure thoughts, we can control our thoughts. We can... Um, we can choose which thoughts will serve us and which thoughts um, we need to refuse and which thoughts we need to shield off and shield away. And there's certain things that you can do, like um, there's um, affirmations that I like to do um, that help to shield off certain thoughts because as soon as they come, I can remember my affirmation that goes against that and... Um, I can speak that in my mind and it kind of just shields it off, right? So I think um, choosing our affirmations specific to those thoughts that we get that are limiting in any way from the adversary can help us shield those thoughts and keep them at bay so that we don't, or keep them away, I guess I should say, because nobody wants them in our bay. (laughs) Keep them away, Um, so that we can continue to function without without those distractions or or limiting beliefs if if you will so president joseph fielding smith clarified um he says now who are those who are called i take it that every man who is ordained to that to an office in the priesthood has been called And then President Nelson taught, to bear means to support the weight of that which is held. It is like a sacred trust to bear the priesthood, which is the mighty power and authority of God, which or think of this, the priesthood conferred upon us in the very same, same power and authority through which God created this. And numberless worlds govern the heavens and the earth and exalts his obedient children. Are we willing to pray, fast, study, seek, worship, and serve as men of God so we can have that kind of priesthood power? Oof, that's amazing. Okay, April 2016 General Conference. We can apply that to women of God as well. With President Nelson's words in mind, look at the specific things taught in these verses about having power in the priesthood, which requires principles of righteousness. These are those who do not do what is needed in order to have priesthood power they cover sins gratify pride have vain ambitions exercise control dominion or compulsion in any degree of unrighteousness therefore the heavens withdraw themselves sadly it is the nature disposition of all men as soon as they get a little authority as they suppose they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion um and then in verses 41 to 45, I don't think I've read all of them. Oh, yes. I did. For <laughs> Up until 45, it says, It is a list of godlike characteristics that will only come when one seeks to overcome the natural man through the atonement of Jesus Christ. These are those with priesthood power. The only way to exemplify these characteristics is to continue to repent, continually repent. Whoa, I lost the page. Um... 
and acknowledge shortcomings and then turn to the Lord to be strengthened. Um, they use, and then this is, these are taken from the scriptures. They use persuasion, influence through reason. They are long suffering, gentle, meek, and have love unfeigned, not counterfeit. As a church, and then they are kind, possess pure knowledge, and they know how to ex expertly reprove. As church historian Steve Harper put it, they remove the problem with the sharpness of the of a surgeon's scalpel, leaving uh, as a little scar tissue and collateral damage as possible. Then, after reproving, they show an increase of of love. There is no pride, no anger, no tempest loss, no tempest loss, temper lost. <laughs> Their bowels are full of charity towards all men. Virtue garnishes their thoughts unceasingly. So another way to prevent thoughts from coming in, and this is something that I um, strongly believe in, is to, I mean, I don't want to use the word inundate, but that's what it is. You create a pattern in your life where you are remembering Jesus Christ at all times where it's just a matter of you going from one thing to the next, but then striving to um, either listen to the Lord through scripture. You could listen to, through, to the Lord through his servants, the prophets and apostles. You can listen to the words of the Lord through like magazine, the Liahona or the, for the strength of youth magazine. Um, you can also listen to the Lord through inspired music. And so there's a lot of different ways that we can, uh, remember him. And I love that he told us to remember him always, right? Because he knows that that's as often as, um, as we need to remember him so that a, we can fight off the fiery darts and B that we can continue to stay, um, stay safe, stay protected and, and feel of his love for us. So it's not cause he wants any kind of like, he's not doing it for like the fame and glory, like the adversary. You know, he's doing it because he knows it will bless us. As we remember him, it's a blessing to us to remember him. It's not a blessing to Jesus Christ for us to remember him. <laughs> I mean, he loves that we come unto him and we want a relationship with him, but it's more of a blessing for us to, to remember him. And I don't think I ever realized that until you know, recently that as I continue to remember him, I am happier. I'm a happier person when I remember Jesus Christ and the things that happen, uh, to me can be transformed and can be consecrated to things that happen for me because of that focus that, that I have put on, on trying to remember him always because healing can also come from him. Um, it only comes from him, right? Okay. Um, number 46 is the last verse, I think. So the Holy Ghost, yep, the it is the last one. The Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion and thy scepter, an unchanging scepter of light, or er, of right, or er, 
Let me start over. <laughs> the Holy Ghost shall be thy constant companion and thy scepter and unchanging scepter of righteousness and truth. And thy dominion shall be an everlasting dominion and without compulsory means it shall flow unto thee forever and ever. So awesome. Amazing. Um, Sister Joydy Jones taught, we access the power of the priesthood through covenants made first in the waters of baptism and then within the walls of holy temples. President Nelson taught us every woman and every man who makes covenants with God and keeps those covenants and whom, and who participates worthily in priesthood ordinances has direct access to the power of God. My personal admin, admission today is that as a woman, I didn't realize earlier in my life that I had access through my covenants to the power of the priesthood. April General Conference 2020. Okay, and then section 122. The Lord, uh, the word of the Lord to Joseph Smith, the prophet, while prisoner in the jail of Liberty, Missouri. This section is an excerpt from the epistle to the church dated March 20th, 1839. And goes with section 121. One to four, the ends of the earth will inquire after the name of Joseph Smith. Five to seven, all the, his perils and travails will give him experience and be for his good. Eight to nine, the Son of Man has descended below them all. Okay, the ends of the earth shall inquire of thy name, and the fools shall have thee in derision, and hell shall rage against thee. Okay, and then I have to read this fast because Flora's awake. So we might not read as much commentary on this section. Um... Okay, two, while the pure in heart and the wise and the noble and virtuous shall seek counsel and authority and blessings constantly from under thy hand, and thy people shall never be turned against thee by the testimony of traitors. And although their influence shall cast thee into trouble and into bars and walls, thou shalt be had in honor and but for a small moment, and thy voice shall be more terrible in the midst of thine enemies than the fierce lion because of thy righteousness and thy God shall stand by thee forever and ever. Oh, that reminds me of, um, that part when they, when Joseph had to get up and rebuke the guards. I love that. He stood with majesty and power. Like I just, um, you gotta go look that up. If it's not, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna be able to read it. Um, but it's where the guards were, like, just speaking ill of everything that they were doing to the Latter-day Saints, the children, what they were doing to the children, to the wives, and it was just, like, really awful. And Joseph Smith stands up and basically pretty much says, like, if you don't shut your mouths right now, either you're going to die or we're both going to die. <laughs> something like that and it was just awesome and I think it's Brigham Young who said the who said it exactly like what he said um so look it up because it was awesome um and it just kind of this it just kind of proves what this verse is you know that thy voice shall be more terrible in the midst of thy enemies than a fierce lion so and it's because of his righteousness you know we can speak like that when we are when we are righteous and the Lord will give us power to speak to the evil in our lives, you know? 
Number five, if thou art called to pass through tribulation, if thou art in perils among false brethren, if thou art in perils among robbers, if thou art in perils by land or by sea, if thou art accused with all manner of false accusations, if thine enemies fall upon thee, and if they, they tear thee from the, the society of thy father and mother and brethren and sisters, and if with a draw sword and with a draw sword, drawn sword, thine enemies tear thee from the bosom of thy wife and of thine offspring and thine elder son although but six years of age shall cling to thy garments and shall say my father my father why can't you stay with us oh my father what are the men going to do with you and if then he shall be thrust from thee by, by the sword and thou be dragged in prison to prison and thine enemies prowl around thee like wolves for the blood of the lamb oh man it's really hard not to cry right there because the Lord is describing everything he went through. Okay, keep going. And if thou shouldest be cast into the pit or into the hands of murderers, and the sentence of death passed upon thee, if thou be cast into the deep, if the billow, billowing surge, conspire against thee if fierce winds become thine enemy if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up the way and above all if every i can't i can't even read i can't see if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee know thou my son that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good Oh, man, that would be so hard to hear, especially from the Lord, you know, going through all that exact detail. That's like everything he went through. The son of man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? Therefore, hold on thy way and the priesthood shall remain with thee for their for their bounds are set. They cannot pass. I really like this part. Um, and talking scripture talked about how that there are bounds set that the Lord will not allow uh, certain things to happen to us because they don't need to happen to us in order to become the person that he needs us to be and that he has set bounds on on those afflictions, those trials, and and that even though you go through a hard time, that the Lord knows exactly where, exactly where to stop. So he does, so it's like he intervenes, right? Because he does not allow it to go any further. And it's kind of like how when I discovered the Hubbes's weakness of pornography still going on and I I mean I didn't want to find out but that that bound seemed to be set and the adversary was not going to continue to do that without my knowledge and so I appreciate that because I don't know what would have happened had it continued because what happens with the addiction of pornography is that that's just the beginning and that it gets worse and the things that 
happen or that can happen because the adversary is in control basically because they've allowed that that they go into deeper sin and and do even more wickedness and and then there's certain things you can't come back from you know because there's certain um consequences that go with them anyways i like that part where the but because there are bounds set um and they cannot pass it kind of also reminds me of like when gandalf um is it gandalf yeah he's like that and during lord of the rings and like he's put his staff and they were crossing that little bridge you guys remember that and it and he's like you cannot pass you know anyway um and then it says thy days are known and thy years shall not be numbered less therefore fear not what man can do for god shall be with you forever and ever okay number 123 section 123 and i really like that he promises that god will be with us forever because we need him forever duty of the saints in re- in relation to their prosecutors as written by joseph smith and the prophet while a prisoner in the jail at liberty missouri this section is an excerpt from an epistle to the church dated march 20th 1839 um and it goes with section 121 and 122 so one to six the saints should collect and publish an account of their sufferings and persecutions oh interesting seven to ten the same spirit that established the false creeds also leads to persecution of the saints 11 to 17 many among all sects will yet receive the truth and again okay number one and again we should we would suggest for your consideration the proprietary of all the saints gathering up a knowledge of all the facts and suffering and abuses put upon them by the people of this state and also of all the property and among of the and and amount of damages which they have sustained both of character and personal injuries as well as real property and also the names of all the persons that have had a hand in their oppressions as far as they can get uh, get hold of them and find them out and perhaps a committee can be appointed to find out these things and to take statements and affidavits and also to gather up the libelous publications that are afloat and all that are in the magazines and in the encyclopedias and all the libellus 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 histories that are public published and are writing and by whom and present the whole con concatenation con catenation okay there it is this you know really big word of diabolical rascality and nefarious and murderous impositions that have been practiced upon this people wow so the lord wants us to write down or wanted them to write down everything bad that happened to them and everybody who persecuted them and did bad things to them and everything now we have access to these things and i think that's awesome and i think what is great about the fact that we that they wrote this down and that the lord asked them to do that is that we have access to them now and we can see how hard their trials were and we can have that compassion for them and that gratitude for having endured all that so that we could um 
enjoy really the blessings of their sacrifice. And that's what humbles me to know all these things. Okay, number six, that we may not only publish to all the world, but present them to the heads of government in all their dark and hellish hue as the last effort which is enjoined on us by our Heavenly Father before we can fully and completely claim that promise which shall call him forth from his hiding place and also that the whole nation may be left without excuse before he can send forth the power of his mighty mighty arm. Dude, it's like, it's almost like when the United States was first formed, like we as like a people were the first to be persecuted um, throughout all of history in the United States. I don't, I mean, I'm just, you know, I haven't looked this up. <laughs> so I should probably look this up. But it also seems like, you know, because a lot of people right now feel like they're being persecuted for their, you know, difference, um, you know, like just, a lot of different people right now are feeling that. And I I think that, you know, our pioneer ancestors, they're the ones who felt that first and know what it feels like to have that persecution upon them. And so I like that we needed to keep a record of it um, so that it wasn't just like a couple people said this, but it's like everybody wrote this down and experienced these hardships from government and how, you know, kind of just showing that government is still led no matter, you know, what kind of documents they have. They are still led by people and people have desires, prejudices, and secret agendas, you know, that prevent, um, that prevent the progress of certain people. So anyway, I think it's awesome how, how they, how we can relate to them that in that way. And yeah, anyways. Okay. Number seven, it, right. It, Yes. Oh, man. Never mind. Number six. Actually, we're on number six. That we may not only publish to all the world, but present them to the heads of government in all their dark and hellish hue. Oh, yes. As the last effort which is enjoined on us by our Heavenly Father before we can fully and completely claim that promise which shall call him forth from his hiding place. And also that the whole nation may be left without excuse before he can send forth the power of his mighty arm. It is an imperative duty that we owe to God, to angels with whom we shall be brought to stand, and also to ourselves, to our wives and our children, who have been made to bow down with grief, sorrow, and care under the most damning hand of murder, tyranny, and oppression, supported and urged on and upheld by the influence of that spirit which hath so strongly riveted the creeds of the fathers who have inherited lies upon the hearts of the children and filled the world with confusion and has been growing stronger and stronger and is now the very mainspring of all corruption and the whole earth groans under the weight of its iniquity. 
It is an iron yoke. It is a strong band. They are the very handcuffs and chains and shackles and fetters of hell. Oh, and it helps us to identify the work of the adversary. I love that. And because they kept a record of it, we're able to prove that the adversary was behind all this mess, you know. Therefore, it is imperative duty that we owe not only to our own wives and children, but to the widows and fatherless whose husbands and fathers have been murdered under its own its iron hand. Which dark and blacken, blackening deeds are enough to make hell itself shudder and to stand against, uh, just kidding, a ga, a, a cast and pale and the hands of the very devil to tremble and and palsy and also in an imperative duty that we owe to all the rising generation and to all the pure in heart for there are many yet on this on the earth among all sects parties denominations who are blindly blinded by the subtle craftiness of men whereby they lie in wait to deceive and who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it therefore we should waste and wear not wear out our lives in bringing to light all the hidden things of darkness wherein we know them and they are truly manifest from heaven i love that that's my purpose right there that we should waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light all the hidden things of darkness and that's what my warrior woman projects is that i am trying to bring to light all of those things that the adversary is trying to hide from us and trying to deceive us with that people don't recognize as tactics that he has these should be then attended to with great earnestness oh love it let no man count them as small things for there is much with which lieth in futurity pertaining to the saints which depends upon these things you know brethren that a very large ship is benefited very much by a very small helm in the time of a storm by being kept workways with the wind and the waves and so this this just means like there are tiny pieces of a huge ship that can make all the difference and again it goes back to the all by small and simple things are great things brought to pass and this is number 17 therefore dearly beloved brethren let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of god and for his arm to be revealed oh that was amazing that's amazing sometimes we do everything that's in our power (laughs) and we think that it's not enough but then the lord consecrates all of our efforts for our good and but I think there's that period of stillness um because he says and then may we stand still and it's like that scripture that says be still and know that I am God and it's true we have to be still so that we can pay attention to how God works in our lives because when we're in the chaos of everything we can't notice it okay um thanks for showing up I love you all and stay strong until next week which is literally tomorrow (laughs) but I'm so glad that we finished it it's 8 41 and it's before church so I'm I'm excited that I was able to finish it before before church so that I could be ready for any kind of 
you know, inspiration that I need to share with anybody. Um, especially if, like, I feel like I don't know who's preparing the lesson for today. So <laughs> who knows? Sometimes you might need to prepare yourself in case you need to give a lesson if somebody else hasn't, you know? Okay. We'll see ya. Bye.